0: We make sense of the January transfer window on today's splash. It's Wednesday, the seventeenth. Yeah, happy New Year to all you Splash subscribers and listeners out there. Of course, we kicked off uh, the Splashes calendar year on Monday, and Dave Weiner joins us today to talk. Football to talk all the transfer news that's going on right around the world in the world game. And uh, Dave, welcome to The Splash, firstly. Great to be back. Happy did, New year. Did you get much of a break? Just seven straight or eight straight days of live football working in here, so... Will be worst jobs in the world. It's good fun. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, and and that's the thing. Football is one of those sports that uh, doesn't really st- stop and pause for the f- the festivities over the Christmas New Year period. No,
1: well, look in England, they. I mean, their weekend off constituted FA Cup games as well, <laughs> and they had the summer of football blitz here, which was which was great to get all the A League sort of bit of the same. Flavor, uh, so that was fantastic. And and in the background of all that, what happens in the water football in January is what happens off the field is almost just as interesting for oh, punter, punters indeed. out there as what happens on it. And that's exactly what we're seeing and what uh, our readers are consuming in huge volume at the moment.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and but but you're probably a little bit. Uh cheesed off by the fact that the <laughs> NRL has actually taken over the the number one spot on the on the homepage, at least for the time being, as Nathan Ryan um breaks a story that Cronulla joins the Seagulls uh in uh the pursuit of uh a big named halfback. How about we tease that one and tell everyone to go and check out the website for the uh for the man in question there. Also um Nathan Ryan in this yarn uh, is suggesting that Michael Morgan could be the next $1 million man uh, and after his 2017 season, uh, he probably deserves it to be frank, um, but that's uh, that's pocket money uh, compared to what's going on in Europe, David, uh, so please, uh, let's kick off this podcast by... Um, by telling our, our listeners out there and I suppose our casual fans, um, our casual footballing fans mm-hmm. on the Splash uh, as to what has happened so far in this January transfer window. Look, it's funny because January is generally the quieter
1: window because if you, it's one where you fix what's gone wrong, you look for a few solutions. But really, you've you've six months. You're halfway through the season. It's it's normally a bit of a, a remedy. It's a little bit quieter, and there might be a few panic buys at, at the end of the window. But we've seen t- a couple of absolutely massive deals so far, mm. and any day now we're about to see a third. So it started just before the new year when Virgil van Dyke's 75 million pound move was sealed from Southampton to Liverpool, mm. a central defender, a defender that. Uh, Liverpool had been chasing in the last window and what it really shows for Liverpool fans out there is Jurgen Klopp, their manager, knows exactly what he wants, what who he wants and will not be swayed by the huge distraction that the media provides with the circus and even though he missed out on Van Dijk last time in the summer, didn't panic by then. They've ridden some... Uh, turbulent defensive performances since then but now they have their man he scored the winning goal in the Merseyside Derby FA Cup so he wrote his script there they've gone on and beaten Manchester City without him because he was injured straight away so that all goes really 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 well for Liverpool what some might say doesn't all go off for Liverpool is the monumental deal of Philippe Coutinho to Barcelona. Yeah, and frankly, what's going on here? I thought all well, we meant to have all these transfer narratives rumbling all through January, but in fact they went within the first week. Yeah, so one
0: forty-two million pounds. pounds yeah,
1: it, look, it's dizzying money. It's 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 the third once uh, Kylian Mbappe seals his permanent move from uh, Monaco to Paris Saint Germain, which is a loan move at the mo- move at the moment. Obviously, Neymar is number one. K- In a brief nutshell, because everyone's probably heard all about it, you know, Coutinho had his heart set on a move and Klopp had to take a calculated gamble and that Mm. was, do I have harmony in the dressing room now, make a truckload of money on this player and trust that with this fabulous squad that he is putting together, that they can live on without him and continue to succeed in the league, perhaps finish as high as second, push Manchester United and then still compete in the UEFA Champions League and do well in that competition without their magician. And what we saw against Manchester City is they have all the hallmarks to live on without him. Sure, they will miss him at times, Mm. but he's not replaceable in a pure way. You're not going to find another Philip Coutinho. But what he'll be able to do is find another player that fits his style of system perfectly. So much money to play with, and he's shown he's willing to be patient. Uh, Nebi Keita from RB Leipzig, a midfielder there, is going to be coming next season. They tried to get him in this window now that they had an extra money to maybe throw as a bit of a ransom. Uh, Leipzig in the Bundesliga in Germany put their foot down and said, no, he's staying here. We need to make the champions. League. We want him this year. Mm. There's not going to be this uh, cycle. You're not going to bully us like you were just you were just held by Barcelona. Um, he will arrive next year. You would think then the Klopp will do what he did with Van Dijk and be patient, wait for him. Um I would be surprised if Klopp did make any crazy signings in this window. And I think he will use it wisely in the next window for a goalkeeper, perhaps another defender. And certainly, whichever part of the midfield puzzle is needed to be fixed, depending on whether someone like Emre Chan leaves the club for for Juventus.
0: Yeah, the Reds have uh, jumped into equal third on the EPL standings. Mm. Of course, as you mentioned, uh, they uh, upset Manchester City the Great other game. the other morning four um, three I believe the final score there was uh, and without Philip Coutinho as well as as you mentioned uh, and as you said they lose this X factor player but uh, it gives Klopp an opportunity to build a better system which is presumably what you need to win an EPL championship we, in those big games those sort of one off big uh, European Champions League finals and those sort of things, that's when you want Coutinho coming on and, and having some kind of a spark and creating something out of nothing. But over the course of a, a Premier League season, maybe they're better off uh, going down this path.
1: Yeah, look, what Klopp plays at an absolutely
0: rampant pace and that was what...
1: In, in the end, they were the first team that was able to sustain that for long enough and, and get a big enough lead uh, to blow Manchester City out of the water. You're actually 100% right in what you're saying. What they lose is that little magician's touch who can break a deadlock game wide open. Mm. But what he has instead is he's got this uh, front three of Firmino and Sané and Salah. Incredible players, incredible attacking threats, pace, technique, a combination that's growing. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who was signed in the last window from Arsenal, now growing into his feet uh, at the club. Adam Lalana, who has been injured all season, but is absolutely a Klopp prototype, who is now back and will largely fill one of those midfield spots that uh, Coutinho now vacates. They all fit what he wants to do Perfectly, Coutinho was that luxury player. They will reinvest it. I am sure they will buy a world-class midfielder, maybe a Thomas Lamar from Monaco, a bit later on, um, perhaps in the in after the World Cup. But for now, I think to be honest with you I I think they can kick on and continue to thrive without continue Um, uh, I think the front three they've got at the moment are in the form of their lives Mm -hmm. and uh, that's probably why Klopp took the I say calculated gamble that he did uh, because when you're given that much money Mm. you have to go
0: All right. sometimes you have to (laughs) cut your losses yeah yeah, uh, Michael Morgan picked the wrong sport, It's <laughs> fair we, to say.
1: We all picked the wrong profession.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, look, I can't believe this podcast is almost 10 minutes old and we haven't mentioned the name Alexis Sanchez yet, I believe. Um, it, the the transfer deal isn't complete yet. Uh, Manchester United appear to have their fingerprints all over the Arsenal star um, the us the the Chilean star as well. Where is this situation at? Because it looks as though Man United are, are, are going to be willing to throw upwards of thirty million pounds uh, at the Gunners to get this transfer done.
1: So this is a this is a very sad tale for Arsenal. I shouldn't have laughed when I said that. Um, but this is a player who, again, for the maybe the casual listener listening in, um, who. When you get to the end of your contract in football, you can leave for free. And everyone in the world knew that his contract was running out in six months' time. So Arsenal are looking at a situation right now where they go, do we lose him for free? He is not himself this year. He has had some brilliant moments, but the player that good is going to have the odd brilliant moment. He has not been the consistent, um, energetic contributor to the Arsenal cause and their form has been inconsistent as a result. And they're well off the pace, not just for the title race, but they're even falling out of the top four grip as well. Um, So they're looking at the situation going, Manchester City are going to come in with a 30-odd million, or maybe it's more 25 million. Um, Maybe that's where we cut our losses and and we make a bit of money there. Remembering the gamble they took, which has backfired massively, was they were going to come in for something in the range of 60 million, in the last transfer window, Mm. to go, we want him now, we want him as part of Pep Guardiola's plans, you're going to make a good fee out of him, and Arsenal rolled, they agreed personal terms, so Sanchez wanted to go and play for his old Barcelona boss, and um, Arsenal rolled the dice, Arsene Wenger rolled the dice, and thought, you know what, let's see if we can get back into the top four, have a fantastic season, I've made a couple of signings, get things back on track, the magic will return, we'll re-sign Jack Wilshere, we'll re-sign Mesut Ozil, Sanchez will want to stay and that has just backfired so they're going to get half the amount of money. So I say Manchester City before because what's happened is Manchester City have started to go on, well, hang on, we can get you in for free in six months. (laughs) And and, and Alexis, if you don't come now, we'll we'll use that extra money. We'll we'll bump up your your wages. But what happened was his agent got really (laughs) greedy and his agent came on and wanted wanted a signing on bonus and wanted some extras. Meantime, sensing this delay... (laughs) In come Manchester United. Mm. And Manchester United have made this massive power play. And the drama, you couldn't write it. Not only do they weaken Arsenal further, not only does Mourinho get one over um, Arsene Wenger, his old foe, and rub himself into injury at a time that he's on the slide, not only do they get one of the Premier League's few world-class players, they stop him going from to Manchester City. I mean, you can't write this stuff. All for ridiculous money. White is holding it up right now. Henrik Mkhitaryan, a player I love, but has plateaued under Mourinho mm. at Manchester United, is being used as a bargaining chip. And guess what's holding that up? His Him. agent wants a bonus. Yeah, his wow. agent
0: wants a bonus. So I read somewhere that uh, that yeah that Sanchez uh, the fee the the transfer fee to Man U would be twenty five million, um, but then additionally to that. Sanchez's agent wants $5 million straight into his own pocket. Which Manchester
1: United have the money and will roll over to get this deal done. They've got Manchester United are happy for that to happen. What's happening now, and this is all power play. This is all um, symbolic besides the fact that they get a wonderful player um, who can add to them in various positions, whether it's up front, whether it's behind in a, in a three um, what it does for some of the younger players like Rashford and Martial, that's going to be an intriguing plot line that everyone's going to watch. But Minerai who is Mikatarian's agent, and the irony about this, the delicious irony about this, is he manages Ibrahimovic, he manages Lukaku, and he manages Pogba. Players he took to Manchester United mm. and was rewarded handsomely for it. Yeah. But right now, what he's doing is he's standing in the way of the Sanchez deal going because he wants a bonus from Arsenal for giving them Mkhitaryan, so at the moment as we record, that's where it stands. Mm. What will Mkhitaryan get paid at Arsenal? What will Raola get paid for Arsenal? And are Arsenal prepared to go down that line? Forgetting the fact that Mkhitaryan want to go? I mean, that's another issue altogether. It seems like he's not going to have a huge say in, in this. Yeah. But it's a, I won't say it's a panic swap for Arsenal. I mean, they're getting a wonderful player, um, but it's just a. We can see the the, the readers. Clicking in their droves, not just us, but across the globe, trying to find out the latest information on where this is at, because it's it's monumental transfer business. It's drama in football of the highest order. Some of the best players in the Premier League being swapped around like chess pieces. Mm. Um, and uh, I do feel like we'll have a res- resolution by the by the weekend.
0: Uh, very quickly, is this is the all these agents after you know with so much power right now? Is that becoming? problematic in this process.
1: Oh, listen, it is it's it's a it's a story in its own right. There's mm. a band of probably four to five what we call super agents. Yeah. Um guys that are controlling some of the biggest players in the world, have connections to some of the biggest managers and clubs. Uh, Rayola has five players at United or something like that.
0: Um I'm picturing what, European versions of Ari Gold right now. <laughs> yeah, well,
1: you're pretty much right, you know, with the, <laughs> with 17 mobile phones on each year and and you know strutting around like they own the place and they do. To give you a bit of an example, Romelu Lukaku, who Raiola manages, um, a similar thing was happening. His move from Everton to Chelsea was sort of... Just stagnating, was delayed a little bit. There's a bit of haggling. And Rayolov turned around to um, Manchester United and tipped them off on it. And they swooped and they signed him. So mm. you've got these guys with tentacles everywhere basically controlling the network of transfers. And sure, there's thousands of managers in global football. Yep. But these this powerful group, uh, they've created their own little uh, story and, and sort of soap opera in their own right. And, mm. and it's damn
0: interesting. Things are getting out of hand. Um, yeah, so. Chelsea, we haven't really talked about yeah. them yet. Yep. Um, uh, what's happening there with, uh, with boss Antonio Conte?
1: Yeah, really good question. And actually, a, a really good segue because um, someone that Chelsea signed for £15 million, Ross Barkley, is an example of exactly what I just talked about happening. Chelsea were going to sign him from Everton for £35 million in the last window. Mm. They didn't. All of a sudden, they signed him for £15 million. Yeah. So where do you think the extra money's gone? To the player and to the agent, so it's it's a very very interesting. What what Chelsea have got there is a player who is has is underachieving, a young guy who had plenty of potential, was fast tracked to the England setup, fast tracked to the Everton setup, but hasn't necessarily reached his potential, but has shown tremendous talent at times in his career. If he goes on to achieve even three quarters of the hype it's the bargain of the century for Chelsea. So they've signed him. That was a bit of a no-brainer. He needed to leave Everton. He needed a fresh start. He he goes to a club where he can sort of um, uh, swap or work alongside Cesc Fabregas. But where Chelsea is very interesting with Antonio Conte is the club are in a bit of in-between zone at the moment. They're not going to win the Premier League. They Mm. play Barcelona in the Champions League. So, not favourites in that tie. They would yeah. have to have a real back, backs against the wall performance to go through there. So the season's at a bit of an impasse. You know? Are they really going to achieve anything? We're not quite sure. Yeah. Um, they do need a second striker to support Avaro Maratta, who hasn't convinced in his own right, uh, and possibly another wing back, possibly another defender, depending on what happens with David Luiz. Are the club going <coughs> to delay and go, this season's not worth anything, we're going to reassess it in another season? or Are they going to give Antonio Conte the funds to say, we trust your rebuilding, Yeah, go out for who you want to. And I think what we'll see in the next two weeks, if Chelsea don't make any signings of significance, uh, the proverbial will hit the fan over the coming months and Conte will either walk, he will say something that makes his job um, untenable and will be sacked, or uh, will probably not be there in the season either way because um, I think he's in a bit of a power play with the board um in terms of what transfer he is allowed to make, what funds he is given, the type of players he's given, and with jobs in Italy available, including the Italian national team, uh, he will be certainly in high demand if he does decide to look elsewhere. That he's achieved all he can at the club. So, uh, a very interesting couple of weeks coming for Chelsea, particularly if there's not much action in the market.
0: Yeah, interesting. Uh... Southampton, they're pretty cashed up. uh, An additional $75 as we mentioned earlier, uh, handing Virgil van Dijk over to Liverpool. Uh, Can they do anything with that kind of cash? It's a really, really good question because they've been pilfered
1: over a number of years. This is the biggest injection they've had in one hit. They've been quiet in the market so far. It looks like they're going to miss out on Theo Walcott from Arsenal, who looks like having a medical... Everton as we speak. He's a career that also needs to really um, look to reach its potential. He's a massive underachiever Mm -hmm. at Arsenal since he moved from Southampton. So how does Southampton attract players? They're sliding down the table. They're mired in a relegation battle. A relegation battle that's sweeping almost the bottom half of the Premier League. Um, And what happens over the next two weeks with those other clubs? There'll be a bit of panic buying going on there because um, it's a It's a real logjam. And uh, Swansea probably, you know, in real strife. West Brom in a fair bit of strife. Whether they're guaranteed to go down, probably too early to say still. But who goes next is anyone's guess. So it might be a quality signing, signing a rabbit out of the hat, over the next couple of weeks that that keeps one of these teams away from that relegation danger. So I'm not quite sure what Southampton are going to do because they've got a lot of money. um, But is it a place that players want to go at the moment with Pellegrino, the manager there, he's not exactly setting the world on fire. Uh, I'm not so sure. But uh, like Liverpool, they would have been mad to hold on to Van Dijk because he didn't want to be there. It's an incredible amount of money. What they do with it, I'm not sure their plan is as sound as Liverpool's.
0: Yeah, okay. And Dave Weiner, one final question how can we link this January transfer window to the Socceroos players okay. like Tim Cahill that uh, are obviously looking for the best opportunity to be fit and firing and in form uh, when this uh, World Cup squad uh, is assembled? Um, what have what have you got for us, mm. essentially?
1: Timmy's got. Mm. the clock's ticking on Timmy's future that's really the story it it is the story for the Socceroos in terms of the the, the player market obviously we're still waiting to find out who the coach is going to be Um, Mm. rumours that Millwall the club where he broke through in England were going to give him a a romantic swan song but they've completely distanced themselves from that speculation so what's left MLS, unlikely, because he left there a couple of years ago where maybe the robustness and the, and, and the physical nature of those games uh, had passed took him its by. Toll. Yeah, yeah, and took its toll. That's a key point. He, he's he's, you know, he's not a young, a young chicken anymore. And yeah. He needs to be really, if you can, be really calculating with where he plays. Where yeah. he, will be, he needs to guarantee that he will be playing, but in a competition that will get him to the World Cup in one piece. So it leaves the Middle East. Um, and it also leaves somewhere like the J League or China um, with legs that are about to commence but again he left China a couple of years ago I won't say damaged goods but he'd done his dash he wasn't scoring Mm. regularly by any means Um, and the J League He's not going to walk into any team there and go, here I am, uh, he, where's my starting spot? So, very interesting times over the next couple of weeks for Tim. We will. Sh- we you think we, the Middle we have East, to hear an announcement. In, you
0: think in, the Middle East would be good for his conditioning, at least? He was getting well, on the park regularly? To
1: be honest with you, it, it would be. And there are players, Mark Milligan was there for a number of years and still managed to maintain his standards for the Socceroos. And, but Tim needs to get back on the park. Quick time. Yeah. Um, a, if he wants to guarantee this new manager that he should be taken. Um, a new manager that always doesn't come with any guarantees. Um, you would assume he'd be mad not to take him. In that case, he needs to be fit enough to go for that precious record of four straight World Cup goal-scoring performances that he is. Otherwise, I guess the biggest news is Mitch Langerak's move from Spain to Japan. He hasn't played for a long, long time. He's had some bad luck second choice at Stuttgart, second choice at Levante in Germany and in Spain. So he's gone to Nagoya Grandpas in Japan. Should be the number one we hope, uh, and that should confirm his World Cup spot. The two socceroos may be looking for a move. Brad Smith from Bournemouth, who just simply doesn't play. Mm. Um, and a rival for the left-back berth, Alex Gersbach, who has gone on the record saying he'd like to leave Norway. Um, and he's been linked to a couple of lower league clubs in England.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, plenty of information there. Dave was pinch-hitting all summer for the uh, Fox Football Podcast as well, which airs uh, every Monday on the Fox Football Podcast p- part of Fox Sports Australia's podcasting network, of course. Uh, and this coming Monday, uh, Adam Peacock, Daniel Garb and the gang will have all the updates Um right across the footballing world, particularly the, uh, the A-League as well um, as uh, the second half of the A-League season continues. Uh, and until next time, uh, the, Dave joins us on The Splash. Thank you very much.
1: Always a pleasure.
0: And uh, yeah, that's a wrap.